Hello and welcome to We Lick Brushes. I am Tim. And I am Troy. And we are two guys who love Warhammer. We lick brushes because the brushes are our source of power. Do you know where that comes from? That's where it comes from. I'm surprised I... you didn't pick up on that. Oh, I thought our source of power was our long, lustrous hair. <laughs> Sorry, that's a little close to the bone. Oh. My hair is a little close to the bone. I, I couldn't possibly comment and expect um, to survive. Um, uh, let's pull it together. Thanks. Yeah, <laughs> Take a moment. Yeah. To go from there. Thank you. Uh, right. I'm going to start with a couple of apologies for the last show. We did actually record a show between now and Christmas, last Christmas, and um, I was... I listened to it back and uh, your voice came across really quiet and it sort of discouraged me a little bit and I didn't, I'm like, oh, I can't be bothered editing this, but I, I will do it and I'll put it up simultaneously to this episode. So if you want to hear back, there was some cool stuff in there. We talked about my awesome trip to Nottingham and um, meeting Ben Which Johnson. would have been very cool. It was a great discussion. So I'll, yeah, I'll put that up. And you know, um, anything where my voice is quiet is, is clearly a fault. <laughs> yeah, it's... you. You need that full that resonance. You need to have that, otherwise, it's people getting not getting their money's worth. Um, cool. Uh, so we're going to quickly talk about some of the recent stuff that's happening in, in Warhammer, um, and what we've been up to. Uh, the main topic of today is going to be um, me interviewing my friend James Page, who's been on the show before, um, and talking to him about his experiences at the Notorious GT, which was a big tournament. Age of Sigma tournament that happened here in New Zealand recently. Um, I it's went such to a well. good was, name too. Yeah, it's uh, it had fifty people. Notorious is oh. named after the podcast that the two Shawns run, the Notorious podcast. Um, and I think they there's there's Biggie, Big Sean and Little Sean, you know, Biggie and Smalls, and I think that whole Notorious. Um, oh, I link, see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You see how that goes. That's where it comes from. But the um, the GT was fantastic. It had 50 people, which is the biggest tournament we've had here in many, many years. Um, it was really cool to be part of. So I'll talk about that when I interview James. Um, cool. But let's talk about some of the recent stuff that's happened in Warhammer. Um, yeah. Why don't, why don't you start? What have, what have you been excited about recently? Well, I've, I mean, I've been keen on what everybody's talking about at the moment. It's got to be the contrast paints. Uh, it is... You know, I, I was really surprised, I'll be honest, because I went into it without having gone to any of the demo days and without really looking at so-called leaks and what have you. And a lot of the marketing material around it was saying, oh, we put the contrast paints in the hands of the world's best painters, and they did such and such a thing with them. But I'll be honest, I'm not one of the world's greatest painters, and, you know, they can do things with normal paint that I can't. So... I was super looking forward to seeing what a mook can do with these paints. And now that this mook has got his hands on some, oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> I, can't, I cannot wait myself. Um, the, the, the hype was pretty real building up to these things coming out because we, we just kind of geeked out over the science of them. You know, that, that they are kind of like an, an ink. They, the, but the, yep. the surface tension is able to stretch so much further, which is how come you can get an almost highlight status out of them, you know, once you paint them over the right colors. Um, it and is so what weird. I, you know, yeah. But like the uh, first time you put them on, it's just like, what is it doing? How is it, how is it behaving? Yes. 
and I've I've just absolutely loved seeing people come up with these big rubrics of using all the different colors and then using maybe four or five different undercoats and the sort of variations, the tone variations you can get just by using a white compared to an off-white compared to mm-hmm. using them over a metal, or, you know, really cool. Uh, some of the experiments I've seen people doing with uh, over metallics has been really fascinating. Like I mm. just today saw a dude who did a an ultramarine uh, all contrast over a bright silver undercoat, and it looked fantastic. Yeah. It looked like a, a a video game render. It was amazing. Fantastic, yeah. They 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 are looking really really cool. Um, the the thing which you kind of need to bear in mind is one, you need to have the right undercoat spray. Um, and two, you need to have a varnish of some kind over the top because it is so thin. Those layers are so thin on the raised areas that they will flake off and rub off unless you protect it in some some way. Yeah, it does. It does change a little from your normal painting style. Um, like I, I went into the first experiment that I was playing with them, kind of just painting like I normally would, and that does not take advantage of it. Uh, varnish is a must, but you can actually use. I say ordinary uh, base coats, ordinary primers. Uh, mm-hmm. If you use a like a varnish of some description over top of the primer to smooth out the surface, then yep. the contrast will actually apply perfectly well to anything. So worth a bit of a play there. Wow, it's it's, it's a brave new world, you know. I think we'll, we'll talk about the contrast a little bit more um, when we come down to your hobby tips. But that, that is a okay. fantastic release, um, and it's gonna it's gonna change a lot. You know, it's a, yeah. it's a, what a, what a cool product. Um, other stuff that's coming out, there's, the, there's been lots of leaks today about the General's Handbook 2019, all the new points oh, changes. That's and exciting. Stuff like that. Yeah, it's always an exciting time to see how your armies come out, you know, what's changed, how you're going to change things <laughs> up for this year. Um, am I the winner this year or am, yes. am I going to get shafted somehow? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, you, you sort of, you read the tea leaves and, you know, Try and determine what kind of pseudoscience the playtesters have been utilizing to come up with their arcane algorithms. And I think there's a lot of throwing dice at one another. And I don't <laughs> mean playing games, I mean physically hiffing dice and just going, no, it's, it's what I want, it's my army. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it feels like that. It, it, you know, it's the, a bit of a, bit of a crapshoot. Um, I've had a look at the death ones, and I come out at kind of a net zero with the units I like to use. My my Graveguard and Morgast have all gone down pretty dramatically, which is amazing, because those are the best units in the game as far as I'm concerned. But the heroes <laughs> like um, Nagash and the Necromancers and Arcan all went up, um, so it kind of balances out. Um, well, if I'm brave... For any army, isn't it? Especially yeah. ones that you're playing. Like, if we... If we know you're playing the army, we know it's going to be a while before there's any genuine love, right? Yes. <laughs> um, if I'm brave and start taking units and characters, characters that I don't normally play, I think I can, you know, there's a lot of ways I can optimize what I normally take, but that's not me. I like, I like to take models I like, and I'm kind of got to get in a bit of a reputation for being the Nagash guy and or the Graveguard guy, so I think I need to maintain that rep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so just the image of you're the Nagash guy. Of course you are. That oh, I still your your Nagash is one of the coolest that I've ever seen, like in person or just in general. And the thought that there would ever be a tournament you couldn't take it to is just upsetting to me. That's <laughs> that's such a waste. 
Uh, you're very kind. I, d- I did uh, in Masters last year. I ended up taking. I didn't take him, but um, and I ended up not taking him for a while just to prove that I didn't always have. To take him. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I do love it. He's he is a cool model. Um, but he's gone up fifty points. He's now eight hundred and fifty. Although, if you remember, he started he started his match play career at nine hundred points. So, and I would still found it worth taking him then. So, it's not really going to affect me too much. It's going to shrug it off. If you yeah. want to take the model, you take the damn thing. You don't give yeah, a crap you do. about the points. Yes, that's that's why people who are serious about match play listen to different shows other than ours because that's the kind of advice you're going to get from us. <laughs> take the damn toys. Take the toys. Um, the the handbook also has lots of new scenarios, and I can see some of the um, uh, some of the scenarios have been simplified. Uh, there are different rules about placing terrain now. You, I think we're going back to how you used to do it in the old editions where you each get a certain number of terrain pieces and you alternate placing mm-hmm. them. Um, the downside to that is you can actually block off. Like some factions have their own terrain pieces now and you can actually really limit where they can put them using that method. So oh, interesting to see how that will pan out. That's another layer to the game, isn't it? But yes. uh, scenery to me, I, I always like the idea of scenery being mostly neutral. Mm. But uh, I can see if you've paid points for it and you want to take something that's good for your army, then it would be silly not to. Yes, the yeah, that's right. And um, I guess onto the last release, um, which I actually have finally got, is the Forbidden Power, um, the new Soul chapter from Soul Wars. Um, this came with several endless spells and um, a terrain piece that people can all purchase to put in their army. And uh, a book with the law and a, and a really cool campaign framework to use. And what I'm loving about this stuff, Troy, is kind of like we talked about a little while ago with that 40k campaign is we are getting a law, you know, progression each year. And I'm really yeah. enjoying that. And instead of doing what they did in the Realm Gate Wars, which was release five massive thick tomes a year so that you were just, you know, you couldn't even really use the rules that were in that book before the next one came out. Before the next um, one, yep. That's right. They're cutting down the new rules and, you know, spacing them about a year apart. So you actually get to use the cool stuff before they sort of move on. Um, and I think, I I think the stuff in this book is way. well worth it. Mm. Mm. Like Malign Portents. Um, that are, there are some cool features in Malign Portents. The, the portent mechanic is awesome, but I only really got to play about four or five games before... <laughs> Uh, you know, AOS 2 kicked in and no one really wanted to play that stuff anymore. So I'm loving it. And the, I'm at the moment, I'm painting the Laocon, the Soul Seeker, who is an endless spell. He Ooh, is a... Very cool. He is the boatman guy. He's a shard of a of a death god that Nagash had killed in some distant past. Um, and part of, his, part of his essence has been released from one of Sigmar's storm vaults. And uh, how he is going to come in, Troy, is he can... Take a unit that's wholly within three inches of him in the hero phase and move them twelve inches. But he oh, he, has to, he kills he kills one of the models in the process. Um, of course, when you've got a nice slow unit like let's say Graveguard, who may or may not have had a uh, points drop recently, um, and you give them a twelve inch move in the hero phase, which means they can be buffed up with spells before they move, and then they lose a model, which you can then resurrect um, two inches closer to your opponent. Uh, yeah. It's a pretty good pick. Oh no, I lost a single model from a death <laughs> unit. Why don't I bring it back closer to you than when it was before? <laughs> yes. 
love it. But really cool. Love love Forbidden Power. We haven't finished the lore yet, but it's really cool and it's foreshadowing. Um, I don't know whether it's a character from the old world that they're releasing from the Storm Vault or whether it's a, a new character. I'm not sure. I had my money on it, this this malevolent spirit being uh, constant Drakenfels, um, who was the nameless in the uh, end times. Yes. But I don't know for sure. We'll see. They do like to, and I say portent, you know, they do like to release little hints about what's coming, mm. and it's it's always fun watching everybody all at once try and figure it out. Yes, <laughs> and yeah, and I th- I, we're not really a rumors show, but I have heard that there is a death rattle style thing coming. Um, so of course, you've heard. I've heard, and that was going to be fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, those are the recent releases in Warhammer. Is there anything going in 40k as worth mentioning? Uh, there hasn't been really, um, with the exception of, of course, Abaddon, you know, a couple of big mm. hits. Oh, he was um, cool. Oh, such a neat miniature, eh? I, I, I can't, I can't figure out how I would get him on the table because I just, I'd never have a use for him except to stare at how cool that model is. <laughs> but, uh, otherwise there hasn't been a huge amount of action. Uh, 40k is kind of, you know, quietened down just a little. Uh, we've had the long run of uh, contrast, you know, build up and, and hype and what have you, but it's been good. Nothing to complain about. Everybody seems happy. Cool. Ticking along. I've yeah. seen people. There's, there's a paint your own Funko Pop. Oh, God. I I have strong opinions about that, and they're they're all heresy. Perhaps, perhaps let's move on. Um, okay. Well, okay. Let's talk about what we have been doing hobby wise. Um, yeah. <clears throat> right. I've been working on a top secret project, which everyone knows about now because I don't stop talking about it. Um, <laughs> which I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm calling Project Fourth Edition. And okay. fourth, fourth Edition was the edition of Warhammer where I came in. Right. This is this is where my particular rose-tinted glasses are always aimed when I when I think about Warhammer. And I, I've picked up the first Undead book, um, and all the pictures that were in it of Deirdre Halschnick and all those guys just really, really grabbed me. And uh, over the last little while, I've been sort of... I mean, every, every time I, I get the opportunity, I pick up a model off eBay or something, and I've got a nice little collection now. Um, mm. But I picked up the end of the book recently and really wanted to go at it, because I'm sort of coming to the end of what I can do with my death army or what I up until recently I could really do with it and collect. So I've been looking at my fourth edition army and I've really, you know, one of the things I really wanted to do back when I was young is have the army that is in the special scenario in the undead book, the revenge of the doom. Oh yes. Yes. I really wanted that. Um, and now I'm sort of, you know, I'm a bit older, I've got the income and I thought, well, why not? Why not make this a long term goal? And so that's what I'm doing. And I'm happy to say I'm only, 20 ghouls off having the entire Doom Lord army. Um, Jeez. And it's, it's been really cool to slowly pick up these models and, which I never got to see before in person, always just through these pictures in the army books. Getting really excited about it. It's really fun. Um, and after that, I think I might have to then collect the Empire army <laughs> so I can actually do, <laughs> play the scenario. You can play the game. Yeah. So are and you it, using it, only the classic miniatures? Like you're, yeah, you're yeah, deliberately no, sneaking up? Oh. And absolutely. And not only that, but I'm deliberately picking 4th edition. So there was a big change mm-hmm. which happened in 5th edition where um, the, 
you know, the Undead Army got a whole new range. That's when the, the Vampire Bats came out and the Die Wolves and stuff. But I'm only using the models from the 4th edition era, although I'm using the 5th edition rules, because that's the rules system that I like. So, so it's so niche that it's embarrassing. <laughs> It's okay. I, I, I move through historical wargaming circles, so if you want to talk about niche, <laughs> you're nowhere near as, as sort of narrow some of these interests can get. Yeah. You, just, you do your do, man. you gotta, you got to follow what's interesting, and I'm really interested in this. I've picked up things like, I did, had no idea that GW had released little banner, um, pre-printed banner packs to match those that were in the photos in the army book. So oh, wow. Those. Yeah, but where I got stuck was I didn't have some square bases, and I didn't. I don't have a lot of the round shields, and I need a lot of them. So, luckily, I did a little ad on the local tabletop garage sale on Facebook, and mm-hmm. um, my good friend Phil, who plays different editions of fantasy wargaming, has actually got a nice little factory line of three D printers going at his house. He works from home, so he's got four Ender printers, which he runs twenty four seven. Um, and he, he will sort Jeez. of, his service for the locals is you send him the files, he will print them and he'd send them back to you or what have you. Um, and he's also got a license, I think, for one of the companies, local companies to do them. So oh, he's, cool. a, he's a really good contact. Um, uh, just flip, hit me up. Um, oh, uh, I don't have the name of his blog at the moment, but I'll mention it in the next show or in the show notes. Um, yeah, really cool. So I wanted to see if there were any files for those little round shields. And the closest we could get was something that was very, very similar, but it had like a broken wood effect instead of a flat surface. And I kind of need that flat surface because I, w- I want to put the old decals on it, the old undead decals, which I've managed to source as well. Um, so this and is going to be a start. the green stuff. No. Oh, well, heaven forbid. Um, <laughs> no, I want to I do it with the minimal amount of, of jiggery-pokery. And I think it's a good opportunity for me to get a handle of the um, whatever CAD programs are available for the layperson to sort of tweak these things. And if I can mm-hmm. use that as like a beginning project, I think the world's my oyster in terms of what I can customize. And it does feel a little bit inauthentic in 3D printing these models, but honestly, you cannot get them anywhere. And I've got yeah. massive yeah. units of skeletons I need to arm with these things. So I think it's I think I'm happy with it. Um, yeah, don't so, think of it as being inauthentic. You're taking advantage of a tool that would not have been there previously. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, but you've been carrying on your 3D printing adventures. We did a show a little oh, while ago about you getting into it. How has it been going since then? Pretty well. And it's it's funny that you should be talking about needing to tweak files and what CAD programs are out there because I've been doing a little bit of that too. Um, I've actually found... A, fairly simple method to create shoulder pads for space marines. You know, I figured that's that's where I want to get started. It's the you know, it's an iconic piece of equipment and it's one of the first stops on I want to customize a space marine. Mm-hmm. So I've been throwing just a bunch of uh, designs up on Thingiverse of ones that don't have decals or have never had a plastic part out there. So mm-hmm. I've got Empress Spears parts and so on and so forth. Uh, but the actual process, and I mean this for for pretty much all uh, 3D printing design, Windows 10's inbuilt 3D builder is perversely the most useful piece of software that I've used. Really? Uh, Really, really. People have pointed me to to Tinkercad, to Blender, Sketchworks, all these different things. But the one I think, for the hobbyist who's looking to get into 
and to really have a play and start to grasp the concepts. Um, the, the super high end stuff is far beyond what I think most people are going to need. And 3D Builder, my goodness, has, I've turned out, I think, 12 or 13 different designs. And it takes a few minutes once you've got your head behind the, the process. So I think, you know, changing up shields, that's one example of, well, let's just slap a, a round shape in the center, merge the shield with the round shape, and then it's flat. And wow. in theory, that should work. So uh, for someone like me who's, you know, always looking for something new to learn, uh, 3D printing keeps throwing up these these new opportunities and um, yeah, really been enjoying the, the extra stage of, of learning how to do my own stuff. So mm. maybe actual sculpting <laughs> in the future. Yeah. Why not? There was, there was a cool interview on the Stormcast podcast, which is the official Age of Sigma podcast where Wade had um, Ali Morrison and um, famously the Marauder miniatures guy um, who's done so many, models from Warhammer through the years and interesting him talking about the transition of, of moving into digital you know those guys had to had to learn a completely new skill set um yeah he used to you know mold in, in all manner of materials through the years but it's amazing that they've that they've jumped in and, and made that change and you know still produce it's interesting to see the stuff. style like if you look i think it was the the orc range back well, a few years ago now Hmm. But you can start to see the change towards 3D uh, sculpts where everything has this completely uniform uh, join and parts from across 12 different kits all fit it. Yeah. Um, and seeing that the, the style, that very workshop style, was carried over seamlessly into the 3D sculpting realm was really interesting to see. That that was him too. That was Ellie Morrison. You're thinking was of the, um, the 6th edition... No, is it sixth edition? No, fifth edition skeletons, I think it was, and the the mm-hmm. chaos warriors at that time were the first ones where you had torso, head, left arm, right arm, and maybe legs, and you could yeah. mix and match throughout throughout the kits um, that he was involved with. Yeah, and now the sort of they're moving where the models are so individual and dynamic that you, you can't really. There's less opportunity for that, but that said, the poses are much more um, interesting. Natural. See, I was I was having this conversation with somebody the other day about how um, they they were saying that now that there's so many more one piece or two piece miniatures that oh I can't convert anymore. Well, let me let mm. me take you back a few years. <laughs> you know, yeah, conversion yeah, really and kit bashing they're two different they're two different concepts. And yep. all you need, um, you know, go get a little jeweler's file or something and John's uh, jeweler's saw. And away you go, because plastic is now that much easier to truly convert than metal ever was. So yeah. give me the exactly. one-pose miniatures, guys. I don't mind. <laughs> yeah, like considering our entire armies used to be made of these metal things, and converting with metal is like it's it's an it's an oxymoron, isn't it? Is that the right it, Like sixth or seventh circle of hell? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's it's a horrible experience. Um, yeah, fully agree. Three D printing way of the future, and uh, opening opening it up for 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 us lay people as well. It's becoming more and more accessible. Um, yeah, I still don't think anything out there is approaching the um, quality of doing full armies yet. Um, nor would I want to. I think 
having seen Phil uh, have to do lots of extra work to just make make his his printing work. You know, especially with the big models, having uh, you know the stuff goes wrong a lot. Um, you can't reliably oh yes it tune things out, which is why he's <laughs> just why he does it while he's working from home. He can just you know look across and you know tweak as needed. But I've done things like mm-hmm. chariot base square chariot bases, which I didn't have, and they look fine. You know that's that's perfect use. <laughs> You don't really yeah. want to worry about striations there. Exactly. And I think that's the real, that's the opportunity for the wargamer with a 3D printer, is that you've got access to the little bits, mm-hmm. the boring nonsense. You know, yeah. oh, I need some bases. I'll print them. I don't have to spend 50 bucks on bloody shipping or yeah. what the hell ever else. You know, it's it's a handy tool. Exactly. Cool. Um, move on from that because I'm conscious that I do have an interview with Jimmy to slot into the show at some point. Yeah. Uh, I don't want it to be one of those three hour shows. So I will crack on. Um, I've been doing reading. I'm rereading the Nagash Time of Legends series, which is amazing. Um, I've listened to the, the Goat Trek audio drama with Brian Blessed. That was charming. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> I love, I love charming as a that kind of tells it you everything. Is. It? it is charming, and what's what's even more charming about it is they have some interviews at the end, and these the voice actors are not immersed in the Warhammer universe at all. You know, yeah, we we know we know how everything works, and we know who Gotrek is, and we know how the realms work. These people have been given like a paragraph brief. You know, it seems like. And they have to mm. interpret it and make it make sense to themselves. And what's interesting about those interviews is how they, how they explain, you know, how it works to them. And it's very, you know, if you were to listen to them and go on their gospel, it, there's a big disconnect. You know, what they're talking about is not really what, what the mortal realms are or what those characters are. Yeah. It, it doesn't matter because the performance they give, you know, it's, it, it matches, you know, so, but I always, I find that fascinating, that process. Like, yeah, Brian Bliss in particular, he, he had this really amazing description of who he thought Gotrek was, and it's it's almost well, it's fascinating, isn't it? It is. Yeah. yeah. Like seeing how other people outside the, the hobby as, as a whole sort of grasp these concepts. Absolutely. Um, it throws me back a little to when you know, working in the store, we had to be very conscious all the time when you'd have parents and the like come in who mm. they they don't know. And it's not mm-hmm. that they don't care. Like you, you have parents who absolutely wanted to know, but when you're talking about Mark III or Mark IV Space Marine armor, out of out of habit, it just falls out of your mouth. But yeah. it's bullshit. It you doesn't have, mean anything. Exactly. You have to go back to their frame of reference. And in the case of Brian Blessed yeah. and these and these actors, their frame of reference would be Shakespeare characters. You know, Gotrek. Oh yes, uh, King Lear. Obviously, you know. Uh, everybody wants to do King Lear. Yeah. <laughs> so their frame of references are different. Whereas our frame of reference, we can quite easily say it's Tolkien, it's uh, Frank Herbert, you know, um, and, yeah. and, and rattle off where all these things have come from, which we've been immersed with for 20 years. Yeah, interesting. Um, I've also been tournamenting. I've been at the Notorious GT a couple of weeks ago, which is a mazang. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Jimmy, who we'll have on shortly, has been at an Auckland one day this month i'm going to the next month's one love the one day format um there is a new zealand team championship coming up in october which i'm trying to cobble together um hopefully it's going to be regional teams and we'll, we'll you know uh find out which is the best region in the country 
Um, That's the Tron. Yeah, which is going to be the Tron. <laughs> although, yeah, no, it's going to be the Tron. Let's let's not be defeatist about this. Um, I'm not. I'm not going to be playing. I'm going to be a non-playing team captain for the Tron because I'm also oh. having to, having to run the event, and I don't think I can do that and play. So uh, I'll you don't be want coaching to play favorites. But I think I'm going to be the only team who's got a non-playing captain, so that will be a big advantage because it means I get to scout the other tables and report back and give advice and stuff like that. So I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's so, yeah, tournaments, good fun. I'm looking forward to seeing the points so I can start planning what I'm going to do with my army. Um, and, Nagash. Yeah, Nagash, Nagash, <laughs> quite possibly, quite possibly. Um, okay, I'm going to move on to the hobby tip of the day. Troy, what have you mm-hmm. got for us? Well, obviously, today it's about contrast. Uh, my experiments so far, if I have any single tip for them, it is, once you've got your primer on, try and do areas of darker color first. The pigment in these is so strong. So if you're doing, for example, uh, Acadian Guardsman, if you do his fatigues first, they're a light beige. If you splash over with a little bit of green while you're doing his armor, it's actually quite time-consuming to go back and fix that. Whereas you'll find it much easier, just splatter on the armor first, do a little bit of tidy up with some of your original primer color and then do the light stuff because the light colors will not cover the dark stuff to any kind of degree that will be visible on your finished product. Uh, that is a great tip and it kind of harkens back to conversations I've had before about what order do you start putting color on your models and I've seen different advice. Yeah. I think it was Mike McVeigh that used to say start with the skin and work out and you used to say start with the biggest bits on the model and go from there. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think that, you know, what is that different with contrast paints? It is a little different. Um, I found, and using still Guardsmen as the example, because uh, they've got quite small faces that are encompassed by a helmet, I found it easiest to start by splatting in a little area of skin first and then working out from the larger color. So I still try and do bigger areas of color first, mm-hmm. but Sometimes you need to plan ahead a little bit. What's going to be difficult to reach with my brush? If you can do those first, get out of the, get them out of the way, and then be a little more careful when you come next to them with your darker colors, you should be fine. But a little bit of planning. It is it is a different style of paint. Interesting. That, that, that was the Mike McVeigh rationale. You start with the mm. the the and you know the skin layer first, rather than the outside layer. You, you're going to in theory, you're going to have less um, opportunity to muck up the paint that you've already done. Um, Unless you're me, in which case yeah. it's going to go sideways, <laughs> <laughs> no matter what. Yeah. Um, although, yeah, now I guess if you're using different colors on the same model like you are with the Cadian, um, using the contrast paints, yes, you have to be, sounds like you have to be a lot more careful that the, the fix-up job on top of a, a dark on top of a light color is much trickier. Yeah. It's funny, though, because for all that people are saying, oh, you have to be careful with it, you have to take your time, I've discovered that even being careful, you're going to spend less time overall painting the miniature because so much is done for you. Mm. So it swings and roundabouts, and it might feel slow, but across a unit of 10, you were going to fly through. Yeah. Cool. 
my problem now is if I'm continuing my undead army, um, I don't want it to look any different to the rest of my army. Yeah, so yeah. I think my contrast paints are going to be for anything new I do now, like um, Endless Spells or my 4th edition army, um, which I can just, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, that's Thanks. understandable. I mean, yeah. these these have a much brighter finish in general. Like, they, they look like classic workshop. It's 1998. Red is red. Yes. And all that sort of... Oh, Blood Angel's red is gorgeous. I love that color, but it's very much a different style. So I think having some fun with it and having a little bit of a tweak and play around, you get better results rather than trying to stick to an old method that you're familiar with. Yeah, yeah. So it it is about a, a new start and a new you know new new ideas. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Um, did you have anything else that you wanted to impart or expound upon today? Um, I don't really have anything specific. Okay. Skeleton Bone is a fantastic color, and you're going to get a hell of a lot of use out of it. I sure am. Yes. Uh, yeah, I, particularly I'm looking at my this, the old Skeleton Chariots, which are all bone, and um, it's going to be much easier if I can use something like that. Exciting. Cool. Thank you very much. So in uh, in a moment, we are going to, to cut the show, and I'm going to insert an interview with the wonderful Mr. James Page. Um, and let's be back in there. Mr. James Page. Welcome back to the show, James. Thanks for having me, Timmy. No worries. And a massive congratulations for winning New Zealand's biggest ever Age of Sigmar event, a Notorious GT. Thanks. Yeah, it was uh, quite a tournament. Yeah, it was. It was my best finish as well. So there must be something, uh, you know, it, it often gets said that when you've got really high quality opponents, like, you, you know, um, you get like a little pressure cooker going on, and I kind of feel that Hamilton's got that going on with you and I, and um, you know Dan Butler of old. You know, uh, so it was nice to see the Tron representing down in Wellington. Yeah, it was good to get some good quality opponents, and yeah, just really good. Yeah, uh, I just listened to the Notorious podcast show, and they were they were definitely singing your praises, and um, uh, it's it's good to see you come out. Come out ahead on a on a big event because you've um you've had some successes and you've had some bridesmaid moments. Uh, I'm not thinking of Masters last year as a prime example, but um yeah, long may it continue. Um, so f- for this for this little interview we're doing now, I just thought we'd go through your process of how you come up with a list and what you do in terms of playtesting, and then go over your games at uh, Notorious. Maybe some viewers out here can can get some top tips from um one of our best players. Um, so yeah, how did you go about coming up with your list? Well, to start with, you normally uh, start with the the models that you have. So I was looking. Oh, I've got thirty Grimgars, you know. So what can I do with those? Uh, I normally don't buy a whole new army for each tournament. So <laughs> <laughs> normally, normally start with what you got and and. Come up with a plan and then supplement where you need to with maybe a few more models. And how'd that go for you with this event? 
Well, yeah, so I hadn't really uh, seen the mortality glass ah. uh, war scroll before this tournament. I was, and I was going through lists with uh, with Dan Street, actually, for his night haunt, because that's what mm-hmm. he was originally going to take. He's like, oh, yeah, I'm taking the mortality glass. And he's like, I'm like, oh, what does that do? <laughs> so, oh, it's a free six-inch move for, for Grimgast. Like, oh. Wow. And from that, you know, kind of start formulating plans well you know a lot of in age of sigma is what you can do in the first turn and well if especially as a death army you're quite normally restricted in what you do in the first turn well if you can move across the table and and make a charge first turn that's all of a sudden you've got a, a whole lot you can achieve in the first turn Right, so that's what you mean by a lot of Age of Sigmar is what you can achieve in the first turn because there's so much capability of really messing with your opponent, you can actually swing the game in your advantage early if you can have that first turn impact. Yeah, I mean, if you can't do anything first turn, then you you do some movement, maybe get some board control, but if you're not achieving anything, it's one in your five turns that are kind of wasted. Mm. Mm, gotcha. And to go back to the Mortality Glass guy, the, this is the Guardian of Souls model that came out as a Warhammer World exclusive. Um, so it's a model that, you know, you can technically only get in Warhammer World, but I think most people just run a, a conversion of it. Uh, it's seen as though the, the War Scroll is incredibly amazing. Yeah, so I used the Guardian of Souls model, but just converted him to, to yeah. be holding a Mortality Glass. Yeah, yeah, and, and TOs don't really worry about things like that. That's that's perfectly reasonable. Cool. So you've got your you've got your broken niche model. You've got your power unit. Um, you've decided you you can do some stuff first turn. Where do you go from there? Well, then yeah, I've kind of got a strategy for you. Well, what do Grimgast do? Well, they kind of uh, block objectives. They they have really good uh, board. Presence because they're 32 inch, uh, 32 millimeter models. They take up a lot of board space. Mm. Um, so yeah, I'm looking at a secondary threat and need some more models to buy for the tournament, or might as well throw another 30 Grimgast in there. And then kind of come up with a strategy where you're, you're, you're torpedoing your units. Yeah. So you buff one up, send it in across the board, have it die. Resurrect it, get the second one torpedo ready, buff it up, send it in, and then just kind of repeat it. All the while, the one that you're resurrecting is is being resurrected around your backline units. Mm-hmm. So you're kind of substituting a um, a screen unit into a offensive unit each turn. Right. Then there's this whole recycling process where you're, um, you've buffed up a unit, you've, you've got it across the board table one, and that's using that, um, Guardian of Souls spell. Um, what else is giving you a, a movement bonus for that first turn charge? Uh, so yeah, so plus cogs. Uh, chronomatic cogs, which gives you a plus two to move and plus two to charge. Awesome. Um, and so then, I'm moving six, six, 16 inches. Wow. And then, uh, 2d6 plus 2 charge. 2 charge, yep, so that'll do the trick. Now, all the while, you've got that second unit of 30 Grimgast in your back line, um, and once that first unit gets dealt with, and not all armies can actually deal with that first wave, but if they do manage to do that, you've got that second unit there, which you're just going to buff up in the second turn to go in, and then you've resurrected your first unit that's died, and the waves just come and come and come. 
Yeah. And then, of course, it's it's quite a CP-heavy list. So Grimgast, one of their drawbacks is they, they don't actually have a lot of damage. Mm-hmm. You know, they're 32mm models, and they've only got two attacks each. So that's kind of pretty pretty low for a, a 32mm model. They The two-inch reach does help with that a little bit. Mm-hmm. But unless you're bringing buffs to them, they're not going to um, do well if they're spread out over the board. Yeah. You, yeah, so you haven't got, got that concentration kind of, of, of damage, really. It, it is it is a lot more spread out. Yeah, so I was thinking, well, yeah, how can I buff him? I was like, I've already got a vampire lord on foot. Well, I've got an unmade Knight of Shrouds on Ethereal Steed model there. That That's another nice. plus one attack. Um, and then, it, yeah, it kind of went from there. Cool. So you ended up, so you went for a, an attack stacking bonus. And then, a, and then yeah. I imagine you had a Necromancer as well, eh? So there's a double pile in, which is pretty crucial. Yep. Um, yeah, so Necromancer had uh, Arcane to make all my spells, well, the two spells per turn that I really want to get off, mm-hmm. almost guaranteed. He's at plus three to cast. And most of the spells in the list are only six to cast, so I'm only failing on double ones on him. Yep, and yet you've so run a Legion of Sacrament, so that's where another plus one to cast is coming from. Yeah. Yeah, so I like to have a bit of consistency in my list. Yeah. like to maybe include the odd thing where, you know, it can throw the game wide open if you roll it, like Curse of Years, which kind of did throw a couple of games wide open yeah, for me. But it's, it's, a, it's a lovely Hail Mary spell to have up your sleeve. Yeah. So I, I try not to have too many things like that and more mm. just really consistent um, play. Yeah. Um, and the- um, Originally, I, was, I, was, I had three large units, uh, an extra unit of Chain Rasps, um, I think that would have been a better list uh, in in retrospect, because mm-hmm. one of the the issues I did come up with at Notorious is uh, I was never really prepared for a double turn. Right. There was a few few kind of moments there. If the opponent won the uh, priority roll, then I would have uh, not had the the screen units in place to to account for it right right so they're like your, your your insurance policy if things don't go your way there's another layer them for your opponent to have to run into before they get to your um your crucial attacking pieces yeah so i never i never like to just rely on one 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 layer of screen and when you're coming up against like crystal gore who can remove two layers of screen in one combat yeah 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 but yeah so that's wicked and a lot's been said about your um in the other podcast uh, about the fact that you had the you, by no means did you have a bunny run you you beat the podium and a lot of the other tougher armies there which is really cool well, I guess we'll talk about that a bit later so you've got your list um we were as busy as we are we did manage to get a couple of play testing games in um what sort of things were you looking to get out of uh, play testing um given that you've got it sort of it was a bit crazy because I'm running Grand Host of Nagash, so we had sort of eight grave sites on the table, which is not really typical. Um, <laughs> fun, but not really yeah, typical. And, and unfortunately, the, the playtesting wasn't too great for us. Mm. I think we, I, I played Zench one of the times, which um, didn't give me too much insight. That was more just a, a feeler of if I could mm-hmm. pull off a competitive Zench list that would 
Yeah. Uh, well, that I would like to play. Yeah. Um, but then moved to to Sacrament and think some of the early lists. I can't. I can't remember my. Oh. Practice games now against you. We, we had we had so many list variations. That's the thing. Like this this edition of Age of Sigmar is just like it's like list crack. We just we just go through lists and theory hammer them a lot. But I do remember one of your lists that you had was um, you didn't run Arcan. You had ton of necromancers and uh, vampire lord on horse and uh, the knight of shrouds on horse. Um. Oh, ah, yeah, yeah. So I had the corpse cart. Corpse cart, yeah. So that, that and two necromancers, and yeah. So that way, that way I've, all my casters are at plus two. I don't have the the plus three for my can, but then uh, Skaven was kind of getting me a bit scared, and and having just a five wound hero as my general was was yeah possibly not looking too good. Not against the Skaven list. Yeah, and and you you, you always point so, out to me that, that although you know it is a five wound hero, those necromancers are surprisingly tanky because of the ability to fob off some wounds that they take to a nearby unit. But even so, yeah, you don't want to leave that up. To so them. it's a ten wound hero, pretty much. I, I yeah. count those as. Yeah. But with Arcan, you've got the two dispels at or the two unbinds at plus two, which is extra protection against. Skaven, mm-hmm. especially against that warp lightning vortex. I mean, normally, my whole army's flying mm-hmm. with the Grimgast and that, but the warp lightning vortex just takes that all away and right. can really hamper my list. Yeah, yeah. So it was just it was just shoring up some defenses, really. Yep. yep. And your your playtesting is p- testing against me. I had um, Nagash. I don't think my list changed too much over our playtesting. Um, I had Nagash, one unit of thirty Grimgast. Um, I think I, I had a unit of 40 skeletons. I dropped that down to 30. Um, and then some endless spells and some diewolves. And, uh, yeah, so you, you had yeah, that we, to deal with. But, yeah, so the two Grimgast list versus your Grimgast and Nagash kind mm, of threats. Mm. Nagash couldn't really take care of a, a Grimgast unit by himself. No. Whereas... And then it would just be a trade-off between our other two Grimgast units. Yeah, I often... That and all the, the debuff spells, the right. debuff spells we, would, would put out. We both sort of had this theory that, that running debuff heavy lists was, was, would be a good counter to this melee meta with the, with the Gristle Gore and, and stuff like that. So we were both running these massive amounts of debuff, and it just was like slapping each other with, with you know wet paper bags a lot of the time. Um, I was... I was able to usually take uh, deal with your first wave of Grimgast um, more or less intact, but then the second wave would hit and catch me on the back foot, and then and then the third wave's on me before I can really do much more than that. So I, I did find your list really tough to deal with, and so did everyone else, obviously. Yeah, um, seemed to pan out as expected, <laughs> as I um, planned for the list. Cool. Um, so it wasn't an ideal situation because we didn't really have a range of um, of armies that we were trying our list out. What, what would you, what, what do you look for when you, when you play test? What kind of things are you trying out? Seeing what works? Make changes? Well, I don't know. It's, I guess it's just, um, cause I do a lot of theory crafting, mm-hmm. obviously. It's just seeing if those theories pan out. Yeah. And normally they do, but then it's just that odd occasion where something, theory doesn't pan out on the board and you're like oh 
it doesn't quite work the way it does in your head. And so you go back to the drawing board and you alter it slightly. Yeah. You know, it's like the Grimgars. On paper, they look amazing. But when you get them on the board, they can be quite hard to, to get the damage in. Uh, absolutely. And, and, that what, and that's what... That's what led me to taking the extra the extra buffs. To them. Right, right. So, you, so your 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 reaction there was to just add more, just to give them a bit of extra extra punch. And I, I certainly found the playtesting valuable because I'd never played with Grimgas before, and their unit footprint was insane. Um, I was freaking out because bringing them back, I often found myself unable to fit them around a gravesite, um, which is quite scary. An event that didn't actually happen in the tournament itself, but during playtesting, I certainly. Um, I found that the, their sheer unit size to be a bit crazy, and I'd probably drop them down to twenty next time. Um, I was looking to yeah, yeah. Do, I, I have, have seen a few lists in the UK that were running two lists of twenty as sacrament. I'm guessing that's just purely to have the the smaller, smaller footprint. footprints. You can bring them have a better chance of bringing them back. And it, you know, people the, the biggest complaint against Legions of Nagash is just that you've got this amazing unit that you can just bring back for one command point. But, um, you know, the, there is that, you know, if you can block off those grave sites, then you that's, that's how you deal with it. And that's a re- very real weak spot, I think. Um, I, whereas I was looking at just, I've, I hadn't played games in a while and I was looking at just knowing my rules again, knowing what sort of situations are going to come up so I know how to deal with them next time. And I'm, I'm very much a try. You, you have a good theory knowledge going into this, whereas I'm a trial and error kind of guy. I, I learn by doing. And so I kind of need those games in just to shake off the rust. Yeah, there is uh, the odd the bits of rust that came through at the tournament for me. Obviously, we we don't really play as as much as we used to, yeah. so there's definitely things that are that that that's what kind of tripped me up at Masters. I think you know if we didn't have any practice games really for Masters, yep. and it was quite a few months prior to that that any other tournaments had. That's occurred. right. That's right. Cool. Um, what other any other prep? That you did for Notorious in the build-up, like any resources you made, or you just yolo it? Oh no, sorry. Um, started uh, looking at our footprints for the Grimgast around grave sites. Yeah. So I was looking at you know how how close something has to be to kind of block off a grave site. I think it came down to if 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 a model's within four inches. Of the middle of the gravesite, then that blocks off the whole unit of thirty. Right. So as long as there's, not, yeah, as long as they're not any closer than four inches for the middle, then I can definitely bring back a grave, a grim gas yep. unit. Cool. That, I mean, these are these are good, re- really good facts to know, and you don't necessarily let your opponent know, but it, you have it in your back of your mind. Um, and you, if you can stop that unit getting within four inches of a gravesite somehow, like using your direwolf screening units then um then that's obviously a valuable piece of info isn't it yeah and plus it just saves time right you're not yeah, sitting yeah. there like trying to measure like oh can <laughs> i can i fit 30 and oh man can i just can i just have five minutes placing grimgast around here like to see if i can actually fit exactly uh, it's, it's a little bit embarrassing during the game so uh, you you were talking knowing yeah. gives you a lot of I, I remember you talking about wanting to make a little a little template where you just you know a couple of different templates where you can just drop it down and see yeah, so that was the original uh, um, point of doing the trials. But then I was like, well, you can kind of just yeah. know if he's within a certain amount of inches from the middle, then yeah, you're fine. Yeah. So it's like, oh, you don't really need it's the template. Good thinking, yeah. Awesome. 
All right, let's move into the um, the game coverage. So you drove down, um, I flew down, life at luxury, um, uh, and then we sort of rocked in, rocked up on the Saturday morning, did the did the fist bump thing, and um, and strutted on in. You, who were you? Who did you play first round? Uh, Joseph Mackey, Bristlegore. All ah, right, he's a Wellington chap, I think. It was a uh... Yeah, um, really nice chap. It was it was definitely a not, not a not a matchup I'd want first round, but it was it was good. It was good to get a nice hard one to to start the day. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Well, tell us about how it went. Yeah, yeah so we had a Gristle Gore list with um, two revenants. I read it. No, what are they called? Re- regents, regents, arch regents. Abhorrent, the abhorrent arch regents. Um, so yeah, it's kind of the standard Griscoll list that doesn't have lots of monsters. Mm-hmm. So he's got uh, abhorrent ghoul king on Terrorgeist, uh, abhorrent ghoul king on zombie dragon, and then a bunch of smaller units. Uh, yeah. Um, so he kind of, I gave him first turn and he flew across the board and, and uh, wiped out one of my screen units of, of direwolves or something. Uh, I debuffed his, his Grisogor with minus two attacks and minus one to hit. Ooh. And it still charged in my Grimgast with plus two attacks. And I barely killed oh him. Gosh. He turned around and still still dealt 14 <laughs> wounds before my Grimgast got and to that's attack. that's a pretty, pretty good amount of and I, I Yeah. Did exactly the amount of uh, wounds required oh, to kill jammy, him. You jammy bastard. I think that caught... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think uh, I think it's the debuffs that caught um, Joseph yep. off guard because he, he pretty much just charged off the board thinking his Grisogor was a bit invincible, which he normally is. If I, No way I'd be... Uh, Charging anything into him if I didn't have those yep. debuffs on him, and even with the debuffs, it was a uh, it was very yeah, close. Yeah, and it's worth. Apart from that, I screened off. So, so I was saying it's probably worth um like these debuffs that we're talking about. We've got uh, in Legends of Nagash, obviously you've got the endless spells. You've got the Geminids. Um, you've got the Necromancer spells, which give you minus to hit. There's another spell which is minus attacks. Did you did you take Decrepify as well? The minus to wound. Uh, for that, that's only on yes. heroes, right? Minus hero, minus to wound and minus damage. No, I only had the minus uh, attacks yeah. and the right. minus to hit. But being able to double down on on either of them is, no, is that's right. If you, where if you roll a natural key. ten to cast those, it's a minus two, or you can put it on two different units or stack it on the same unit. Yeah, and even if you don't double it up, you double it down with right. Geminids. Because <laughs> obviously, minus 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 two to hit is is it's. Douse most yeah. things in. If you're facing a four up to hit, then all of a sudden he's on sixes, That's and it's right. just not not fun for yeah. them. Um, so yeah, so that that game was Star Strike. Uh, the stars all landed in the worst places uh, for me, but because of the extra movement I had and the double pylons and a few tricks, I managed to to be on one side of the board and then the other side of the board and then back over the other side of the uh, board. Oh, nice! And yeah. After after the Grisogora general went down, it was um, just going through the motions. Yeah. Really, there's 
not really too much mm-hmm. more he could do. I, I do. I did admire that about your list, just how mobile they were with, you know, all your units are flying pretty much, and um, yeah, just so fast. It's great. Um, and not not only that, like using the Legions of Nagash ability to bring back a unit at a gravesite of your choice as well. Oh, and you had Legions of Sacrament, so you've also got that extra extra way that you can bring a unit back for no command points occasionally, which is a lot of fun. Did that ever come up in your games? Yeah, I, um, yeah, I, I think I brought one back during the tournament, but I think I forgot about <laughs> it most games. Like against um, against Liam, I, I downed. I was just so happy that I, I'll come to that later. But <laughs> all right, yeah, killed killed a, a, dra- a dragon on a, on a gravesite, oh, and that was no. I just forgot it. I was just so happy about That's killing the dragon. Right. That's a fun <laughs> thing. Okay, um, sweet. So poor Joseph went down game one. Um, I played Cameron King, um, who's from Palmerston North. He played, uh, he had the Seraphon list, um, which was led by Aslan, and it had two of those Star Strike battalions, um, and each had six, uh, Ripodactyls, uh, which sort of deep strike in at certain points of the game and just do a ton of damage. Um, I tried to turtle up. I took the first turn, I think. And, and turtled up because I felt I could withstand it in the encounter attack. And as it turned out, I could. Um, I think he did. I, I bubble wrapped too good, too well. Um, and the first lot came in and just bounced pretty hard. And then I just advanced up the field with Nagash, although he did manage to start chipping off a lot of wounds from him. And I think he got him down to one or two wounds at some point before I healed back up again. Um, but my hidden agenda was to kill his general, which I thought was a pretty safe bet considering I've had Portal and Hand of Dust and all that kind of thing. Um, so I got most of the way up the board, and then his second unit of Ripodactyls hit, and that's the one that, that sort of scared me a little bit, gave me a bit of a fright, but again, they bounced and, and got cut to pieces. Um, and that's kind of when I felt like I had the game sorted, because uh, I could spread out from there. But then I got up to his general, did finally give him a charge or a shoot, and he teleported him um, from on top of the Bailwind Vortex down into my deployment zone. This is the Slan. And um, I actually ended up querying this with the TOs, and they they said there was uh, there was no clear um, clear ruling, so they had told Cameron before the tournament that that's how it could be played, that you can actually teleport while you're on top of a bailwind. Um, so fair fair enough. I just was a bit, <laughs> caught me by surprise because suddenly Nagash is out on the other end of the battlefield, and my target for my hidden agenda is down the other down the opposite end, back in my deployment zone. And I, although I tried to head back. He just summoned up a bunch of like um, stegodons and stuff down there, and I just couldn't. Uh, not stegodons, the bastilodons, and I couldn't. I couldn't finish him off. Oh yeah, and you were you were running uh, Nagash with the cogs, with cogs right? Yeah. Yeah. So the Ripperdackles coming in, no rend, lots yeah, of attacks. They kinda. don't do much. No. Doesn't do much against uh, Nagash. I got unlucky yeah. with Nagash's saves, but even getting unlucky, he didn't. He couldn't kill him. Um, I, I just ended up. Yeah. Fending it, or fending it off. So that was um, that was interesting. But I missed out on my hidden agenda, which which um, as it turned out in the final standings didn't make a difference. But it, it and it might have even helped me get some more favourable matchups in the next round. But um, yeah, I was pretty disappointed not to get it. Um, round two was three places of power. How did you go with this one? Yeah, I was up against uh, Marcel with his Idenus Deepkin. So Four. another. Top tier list. I was a. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'd never faced a deepkin before, and 
Uh, unfortunately, I don't think Marcel knew the rules yeah. too much either because he didn't use the first round cover save or the second round run and charge abilities right. for Idana. So I was, I was, I didn't know the rules really, and all I knew is turn three they get to strike first in combat, which I wanted yeah. to avoid. And so I kind of just bubbled around the objectives. I uh, didn't really go too offensive, and I just played a really defensive okay. game, keeping Arcan on on one of the points with with just two sets of direwolves, chain rass, and a unit of grimgast at all times around him, and then one unit of offensive grimgast at all right. times, and that kind of kept the the middle objective clear while just keeping. Um, Mm-hmm. Me on one. Then by about turn three, I think going into turn three, I'd made sure to kind of sneak some Grimgast into, with some sneaky pylons into his mm-hmm. eels. So that even though he got to strike first, all he was doing is, is wiping out the unit that was already dead. Yeah. And he couldn't really... Right, so you, gave, you gave him a redundant unit that tied him up for that crucial turn three. And, and negated the big impact, uh, negated his ability to use that amazing ability on in fights that were actually going to make a difference in the battle. Yeah, just some nice little little pylons that nice. that went my way. Cool, and you got yeah. I think it's that's that's it's kind of something that um people don't foresee with um mm-hmm. with Lon. If you've got that, you know that double pylon. Then you can wipe out the first unit and then just even just come slightly within three inches of a few units just to tie everything yeah, up in combat. That's right. I mean, they do get to hit that. They do get to hit in that round, but you're only bringing in such a minimal amount of models that it's, that's it doesn't right. matter. And the other, there's another rule that people don't, don't appreciate, which is if you have charged that turn, and the unit that you charged is no longer there when it's that turn, that unit's turn to activate, you still get to do the pylon towards the nearest enemy unit, wherever that is. So if you're piling in twice and you wipe them out in that first pylon, you get a three inch pylon on your second activation, say from Van Hal's Dance Macabre, which takes you towards a three inches more towards another enemy unit, which is pretty nice. Yeah. And if you're Grimgast with a two inch range, all of a sudden you can hit something that yes. was five inches away. Very nice. And if people are putting aren't putting their screen units five inches ahead of their main units or their backline, then they can uh, get in trouble. But even if they do that, all my units fly, and I just fly over the top of exactly. their screen, and it yeah. causes them trouble. Yeah, it's, <laughs> oh, that's so it's it's very hard hard to so slippery. <laughs> yeah. yeah, cool. So that mark up another win for Legion of Sacrament. Fantastic. Um, I yep. played Seth. Goonboss Cook, and I just want to say off the bat that this guy's a fantastic guy to play against. Um, total character, and um, uh, yeah, it was just a fantastic game. I probably didn't give him as good a game as he gave me because I was so tired by this point. Um, my my son hadn't let me sleep the night uh, the night prior, and then the night before, uh, we stayed at the wonderful Lee Wilmot's house, and um, Dan and I were sleeping next to, to a door to a room that had a dog in it that just didn't stop barking and instead of doing the sensible thing and kind of letting the, the dog out or going and getting lee uh we just kind of we just kind of tried to tune it out 
but I think that, you know, cause the awkward guest kind of feeling and we, um, as a result, we didn't get much sleep. So by this point, I was really hitting some kind of sleep wall and that's not an excuse, but I, it did make me feel when, when things started to go against me in this game, I think I, I think I started to tune out a little bit and, and get the, get the droop going. So apologies to Seth for that, but it was a magnificent game and the guy is a, is a gent. So I, had put a unit of Grimgast underground. This is the first one where I, I was really like testing my luck here and um, move Nagash up turn one, raise them up in the movement phase and then just charge them first turn, managed to get a nice charge up, which stretched in a big line all across his whole army. So I got that unit of Grimgast with plus one attacks just across the whole front of his army. And um, it did okay. It killed maybe some squig units, but it just held everything up and let Nagash sort of take that middle objective. Um, the downside was when I put Nagash on that objective, he was maybe two inches away from a building, which was mysterious terrain. And if I just put it within one inch, like I just wasn't even thinking, um, I would have got that extra six up save. And as it turned out, that probably would have been enough to save Nagash this game, but it was not, um, uh, I, he dispelled a lot of my crucial spells, like hand of dust that was going on his big spider that was on one of the objectives and i didn't manage to kill the that loon king guy who was on the other objective with him though he's surrounded by grimgast and, and stuff like this didn't go my way um but i think what took me by surprise more than anything in this list was his archers who cast a hand of gork and teleported behind nagash and then unleashed like 10 fanatics <laughs> <laughs> and they all just flew into Nagash and did pretty much his whole profile's worth of wounds. Um, but what finished him off was that damn spider endless spell, those crawling spiders, which just lingered in the middle of the battlefield, just killing stuff. And it was so horrible. So unfortunately, Nagash died. Um, but I, yeah, it was just really disappointing. Um, and I, I think I should have saved the portal until later because by the time I moved into the middle of the battlefield, I was out of range of using the portal. Um, which I had set up next to one of the objectives to stop him, you know, discouraging him from taking it with the hero. So it didn't go my way. Um, and I was feeling a little bit stink about myself for just those stupid, um, stupid self-owned, <laughs> um, and misplays. But it was, it was great. Seth is an awesome opponent, but it's good. It's, it's good. Good to see you lose a game and, and lose yeah. the gash. A lot of your your early play with Nagash, you um used to lose games and still yeah, have Nagash alive, and you you have to wonder, you know, like did did you put him yeah. in enough risk? And obviously this time you did, yeah, but yeah, it didn't pan it didn't out. Pan unfortunately, out. no. Um, some things didn't go my way, and some silly mistakes as well. Cool. Um, so that yeah, um, just like to say, yeah, both both my opponents, Marcel and uh, Joseph, were were. Very good, have very good table manner, and, and yeah, yeah, we're awesome opponents. So yeah, it's yeah. it's the the event was really cool for that. Um, I must say. So round three was scorched earth, and this is the scenario that we practiced a lot. So how did it go for you? Um, so yeah, so up against uh, Liam, the uh, Liam Burnett oh, Blue, our Aussie friend, yeah, from Australia, Famous Liam Burnett Blue, um, and. He had a gristle gore list with uh, four beasties or five beasties, yeah. four beasties, I think. 
So you had the Gristlegore champion and then two Terrorgeists and then a zombie dragon as well. A couple um, of the Abhorrent Arch Regents to be able to summon as well. Um, yeah, really nasty list. Uh, so he, he out-deploys me because he had the Royal Menagerie as well. Um, doesn't really do much uh, these days rather than just decreases drop count and you get some extra healing if you're within range of other units. It used to give you an extra four-inch move, I believe, but yeah, they took that out in the latest Flesh mm-hmm. Eater Quartz book. But yeah, so he, he I kind of deployed, and, and this is, a, I felt, probably my worst matchup that I faced because, like, what do you do against Grisogore? He's got the, the run and charge spell. If he gets it off, he's into my Grimgast. He can wipe out 30 Grimgast in one round of combat, like, without double piling in yep. with his general. Um, do I screen, like, two I, I can't. If I screen two units of Grimgast, and he double piles through both of them in, in uh, one turn, that's oh, that, right. that's, that could be game, you know? Especially, yeah. And I was thinking, well, if he does that, then that's fine. He's probably going to give me turn one because uh, most players prefer the, uh, the the chance at the double turn, which which just leaves most mm-hmm. games uh, wide open. So I um, managed to buff up a unit of Grimgast first turn, send it across, wipe out uh, one of the, the beasties, turn one. Which left him down to, to three. Um, then he had his turn. He wiped out a unit of Grimgast easily without wow. the double piling or anything with his, uh, with his general. And then we kind of were trading blows. Um, I won the first priority roll, which was quite thankful because he had run one of his beasties around and he kind of had yep. an angle on Arcan and with, with a double pylon, which, cause he, he summoned units onto the side, which was a courtier, which is a hero model. So he could then use feeding frenzy mm-hmm. in his next turn. Um, so yeah, he had planned this and then he was possibly going to take out Arcan. Well, pretty good chances of taking out Arcan. I still had, um, reroll armor saves up my sleeve. Cause I, oh, yeah, um, going back to, mm-hmm. to list creation, one of the, one of the main facets of my list was the fact that I only take took 18, 19 right. points. And so that, and that, that's yeah. purely to get a triumph. Like I, I, I mean, two, two command points was, mm-hmm. was nice starting with that. But the extra triumph, I mean, if you're looking at my list, you've got two units of Grimgast and you've got Arcan. And the three triumphs are, you know, reroll hits, reroll wounds, or uh, reroll armor saves. Reroll armor saves is, is, yeah. is if I hit that, you know, yeah. I've, I've, I've got gold. That's um, the Grimgast pretty much yeah. unmovable for a turn. You go four up, armor ignore, save, rerollable, yeah, unmodifiable yeah. by rend. If I get the reroll hits, then... The Grimgast reroll hits against large units of five or more, but they're kind of only a four up to hit mm-hmm. against monsters and things. So then if I get the reroll hit, then that gives them an extra damage buff against um, monsters or um, smaller units. And reroll wounds is just an extra damage buff. Yeah. But also with the reroll hits, Arcan can be kind of a 
mysterious powerhouse. Give him plus one attacks from yep. the vampire lord on foot. Give him reroll hits <laughs> and just he flies off sixteen inches and then busts out some fairly decent combat and, and people don't see it coming, which is another kind of little ace that nice. I like to have that's up my that's sleeve. Very nice. Especially if you're only running if yeah, if you're only running like a two threat list, which I was. Well, I mean if mm-hmm. Arcan's a small threat, but you only had two major threats, then you really need these kind that's of little right. wild cards. Yeah. So yeah, um it came down the priority for turn two, I won it. And he had positioned his vampire lord so that he was within nine inches of his um the Vargeist that is brought in from the side of the board. Uh so that he has the six six up um mm-hmm. feel no pain save kinda. I can't remember what the yep. the fake one's called. And he, you know, did it perfectly and um <laughs> and Arkan just cast Curse of Gears. <laughs> this is a famous curse of Gears. <laughs> about this. The dragons, the dragons sitting on a gravesite, blocking out like the prime gravesite in the middle of the board. And yeah, one dice. I roll. Oh yeah, roll roll <laughs> ten dice. I roll one six. Oh, misses his ward save. Okay, roll the dice. Got a five. Oh yeah, misses his ward save. Roll a four. Misses his ward save. Roll a three. Mrs. Wardsay, roll a two. <laughs> Mrs. Wardsay, roll that's a one. It. <laughs> yep, that's it. Oh, God. And it was, it was such a turning point. Like, I mean, I would have re- been able to resurrect my grave Grimgast unit mm-hmm. that was uh, off the board anyway, because I had strategically positioned grave sites. But because he was that one was blocking off like mm-hmm. the, the middle of the board kind of prime yeah. grave site, that let me. Um, just kind of take control of the game because that was another one of the BCs off. I managed to charge the, the, the Grimgas unit that I brought up on that gravesite into one of his other beasties, which then mm-hmm. got taken off as well. And then, then it was just as general versus uh, two nice. units of Grimgast and me holding most of the objectives at that point. It was just wow. not much you could do. But yeah, so that that... That dragon I took off was on a gravesite. I forgot to do oh, my. Oh yeah, so you could have you could have got it without spending a command point. Could have got and a I, unit up there. <laughs> yeah, and if it, if that would have happened, they would have got oh, a free no. movement in the middle. That's right, because it comes well. up immediately, doesn't it? Oh my gosh! Yep, immediately. <laughs> and that 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 was the the yeah, combo that I, right. I ran at Masters, right? I had. A spell heavy sacrament list so that I could do lots of damage in the hero phase, have mm-hmm. a chance at those four ups, which at Masters I, I, I did <laughs> against Mark, which was filthy. <laughs> Just taking off a unit in the hero phase and still get a move with him in the move phase. And it's, yeah, it's, God. it's filthy. But I was, I was just so happy that yeah. Curse of Years was going I off. <laughs> um, I was trying to, I was trying to not. I was trying to not be so happy. Yeah, he, he was, was such a he was taken aback. Defining yeah, point of the game. I, know, I was, I was around for for the aftermath of that. Yeah. I think. Um, so the big change to Curse of Years and FAQ this year was that you, you're allowed saves to mortal wounds after each roll, rather than all the rolls happening simultaneously as was previous. 
you actually get a chance to save them as you go. Um, so it was really unfortunate that he didn't get those for him. Yeah. Um, yeah, so after that was Scorched Earth. I had I had all the objectives here, um, yep. just as Griscord General. Had a little thing happen where he... I had put my, gra- my zombie dogs around an uh, objective, but kind of outside it, and he had charged them with his Grisogore. And he said, oh, yeah, he was going to double pile in towards mm-hmm. the objective to take it. And I didn't... I, th- I thought he was going to use some, like, wheeling keeping the, oh, yeah. the dogs alive around them. But he was meaning to wipe them right. out and then pile them towards him. But obviously, it was a corner objective. So he had to... There was no other units in that direction. So he I thought, to... no, yeah, no, you, you got can't do it. you got to pile so them towards actually, the closest. If he, if he wanted to move, he had to go back in the other direction. Yeah, so mm. it, it didn't really matter in the game because yeah. of the board control I had anyway. But ah, interesting. Yeah, it's just one of those All things. Right. But yeah, really, really great opponent. It was it was one of my um, definitely one of my favorite he's, games from the tournament, just because of how close it is. We were trading blows, and it was just an unfortunate kind of thing that happened that yeah, kind of yeah. split the game right over oh, him. That's that's Warhammer. Yeah, I, I um, Liam was staying at um, at Sean's place, and um, yeah, it's was, it was really cool to meet him. All all those Aussie guys that that were there at Sean's just fantastic. It's great to meet them, um, and if you. If you're listening out there, they all run podcasts. I think Heralds of War is Clint's one. Liam is Shadowhammer, and he appears on um, uh, AOS Coach, Andy Mag- Magro's YouTube channel. I'll try and link the links in the show description. Cool. And that was your round three. Um, I played Ron Golds in round three, yep. and he was running Gutbusters, um, which on paper I... I I tried my best not to. I didn't want to take for granted that this was going to be any kind of walkover because um, Ron's a great player, and I have never played ogres in this edition, so I had no idea, um, you know, whether there is any hidden hidden gems in there. All I knew was the internet opinion, which, which just said that they're not that good. So I'd, I don't like trusting that kind of thing, and it could have easily gone against me. Honestly, um, I took the first turn and was able to buff up the. Uh, Grimgast and and charge him across the table first turn straight into the middle of his army. Similar to what I did against Seth, except these guys were buffed up, so it was really um, it was uh, scorched earth. I think this is the one where you start slightly closer to your opponent. This is how come I was able to do this. Um, he went right into a unit of twelve ogres, uh, and they had six iron guts behind them, and I basically somehow managed to wipe the ogres, and despite how many wounds they had. <laughs> Oh, this, is this the game where you? Yes. Is this the game where you did my trick? Yes. The, yes. Um, it was. The, uh, it was. So what I did was, <laughs> oh my god! Thanks for reminding me. I deployed them in a in a quite a long line across my um across my deployment zone, so that they were touching two separate pieces of damned terrain. So I sacrificed using both of them and took like five or six casualties, and then proceeded to raise them back up again, in a direct line towards. Ron's lines, right? So I ended up with this T-looking unit. Yes. Yeah, so for people that don't know, the damn train yeah. now happens at the start of the phase, which is also when the um, resurrecting occurs. So you, you kind of get that activation. Yes. Um, uh, and that gave me... Set up for my them. My goodness, that, 
what did that give me an extra eight inches i guess of movement so it was it was pretty easy to get in um in that turn one wipe out the the bulls when the iron guts got to attack back though they did some serious damage um but it wasn't enough to stop me from claiming that center middle objective of his um turn one so i immediately had four objectives up my sleeve on round one which just put him on the back foot i was desperately trying to keep out a range of his iron blasters from nagash i had some skeletons trying to keep my left flank against his ale guzzler gargants um who basically just rampaged through them, but they didn't do enough damage, and I had a resurrection turn where I just rolled threes on all my grave sites and stuff and just brought the whole unit back. Um, and I think he he saw the writing on the wall once. Uh, the, he managed to kill the Grimgast, and then they came back in the middle of the table, ready to charge another one of his units. Um, I think I managed to claim the his his other objective using some fast die wolves. He, just had, he had left it undefended. Um, so it it ended up being pretty one-sided, but there was if, if I somehow hadn't managed, didn't have damn terrain on my side, um, and and hadn't had a favourable um, pick of when and where to attack, then I think those ogres and iron guts could have done quite a lot. Um, but yeah, it ended up being another win to me. Yeah, it's one of those things that we were mentioning earlier. It's um. Mm-hmm. the concentration of damage, right? So even though their damage output isn't that great for the points cost, just because they're small model, well, they're not that small, but mm-hmm. the, the damage is, is more concentrated than, than normal, mm-hmm. that they actually can perform quite well. Yeah. Um, I'm, I know Ron's holding out for a potential uh, uh, Gutbusters army book this year. I hope he gets one. It's, it's rumoured. Um, but I know that his Iron Jaws have had a bit of a buff with the new handbook too, so um, I look forward to seeing him at the Teams event coming up. It's going to be fun. Um, round So we had we had a break overnight, and we come in bright and chirpy for round four. There was a, a, a little bit of a change to the draw for various reasons. Um, I had actually... My original opponent was the Nurgle, the Nurgle um, army, which I was not looking forward to, but... We had it all deployed, ready to roll, and then we were told that we actually had, a, had to change tables and change opponents, so um, I kind of dodged a bullet there. Um, how did your round four go? It was a knife to the heart, I think. Yeah, it was... <laughs> I was a little bit thrown this, this round. I had... Um, as anyone who knows me, I, I, I spend a lot of time theory crafting, and I got told I was, I was facing the Fire Slayers player. The night before, so I'd spent maybe a couple of hours going through the Fire Slayers book because I'd never faced Fire Slayers before. I was like, "Oh yeah, I've got, I got this game down packed, you know." And yeah, we turn off on the day, and oh no, you're facing uh, Deepkin again. It's like, oh, that's uh, that's, not, that's unfortunate. <laughs> so yeah, it was up against um, yeah, Hayden, he stayed at, he, another he stayed at Lee's place and on he's, knife to he's the heart. Awesome, awesome dude. I'm so glad that you got to interact with those guys. Yeah, very both of them very energetic players, you know, very mm. just uh, pleasure to face on the board. Um, nice and tight games as well. I think all my all my opponents were, were very tight players, which I'm quite happy with. You know, I I, I think the game is 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 won and lost in millimeters. So people who go on the the side of uh, 
of caution rather than than overzealous on their yeah. movement. I'm I'm very happy with. But yeah, so it was knife to the heart. Um, probably not a good matchup for me. Um, so <laughs> I thought I'd, <laughs> I I knew I didn't have Deepkin because yep. I'd faced Marcel the day before. Um, unfortunately, right. Marcel hadn't played some of the rules against me. So when I come against Hayden, he um, turned one. I I believe I gave him the first go. He charged in his Morsar guard into one of my uh, chaff units, took them out, and I was like, well, I can kind of get a charge on them with maybe yeah. 10 Grimgast. And I had re-roll wound rolls with a double pile, and I'm like, well, I can probably deal with um, quite a few of those. And that's one of his, because he's, he's running pretty much a three-threat unit, a three-threat army. It was two large units of Morsar, and then just a um, kind of a bunch of smaller threats in the Ishlin Guard and the um, Volturnos. I was like, oh yeah, if I can wipe out one of those early, I can um, kind of take off one of his threats, and it's kind of a 2-3 army versus a 2-3 army. I'm looking pretty good. Um, yeah, so I didn't realize he gets the cover save first turn. He, um, I d- only ended up killing three, three of them. Plus, he got to turn around and, and kill a good chunk of, yep. uh, Grimgast off, which I had protecting one of Arcan's flanks. I was like, oh, yeah, and I, I mean, I should have probably just pulled back. I mean, what I should have done from the start is played for the minor, but <laughs> I've, I've never played for a minor in any game, so. <laughs> Um, he's sitting on his objective. I've opened up one of my flanks. Uh, I win the, the next priority roll. I'm like, oh, what do I do? Um, he's like, and he explains to me that he gets to run and charge next turn. And I'm eyeballing it. I'm like, shit, his, uh, his units get to move 22 inches if he rigs the run roll and then gets to charge at, um, 2d6 <laughs> plus 8. This is insane. 2d6 plus 8. Oh, no. Yeah, because I had Cogs up, and he had two the two of, <laughs> two of the Soul Scryers that give you plus 3 to charge each. I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm eyeballing it because I didn't want to measure because I'm like, well, <laughs> yeah, you know, maybe I can bluff my way out of this because the game's not looking looking too good. I'm like, if I take if I take the turn, I can resurrect I can, I, I can resurrect some Grimgrass and take a defensive position. Yeah. But if he double turns me, I lose because turn three is his big turn. I'm like, well, I've got to take the risk. Um, <laughs> so I like, know you can have it. He charges me, flies across the board, Lee, 22 inches, makes some bloody 16 inch charges or something, and just wipes I can off the board and leaving maybe 10 Grimgast left. I'm like, wow. I'm like, well, unfortunately, he had only right. he had only he was only covering half of his objective. I'm like, well, and this is That's you know right. you, you you just got to never give up an AOS. There's there's always a win always a win condition. No no matter how impossible it seems, yeah. you just got to think. Well, you just got to play for it, right? You got to think. Well, if if I make that roll, then I'm mm-hmm. playing for it. And then if you fail that roll, then well, what now? Can I still win? Well, maybe. And then try and win the next roll. Yeah. You just keep trying to win rolls until you're back in the game. And I well. I'm just going to have to go for the priority roll. I win the priority for turn three. Well, I I went second in the second round. Managed to 
translocation my my Grimgast um, out of combat towards his objective, resurrected them all towards his objective, and then ran them with a um, command point with a six inch rod to, towards his objective. Because I'd kind of strung my grave sites oh along God. that that um, table edge, um, and then yeah, rolled off for, for priority. I won it. Um, more resurrection, uh, more running, and I just ran the um, the Grimgast within range of the objective. Which I mean, it's it's um, an Idenus army, so he had very low model count, and I just had was able to get more. Wow. Models into the objective than him. Thank goodness. Both objectives yeah. started turn three, the game's auto over. Yeah. Um, anytime, right? Yeah. Oh, just, just anytime. If, wow. if you, as soon as you hold and, both objectives. Um, yeah. So, I mean, there's an element of jamminess there that you got all the roles that you kind of needed. But at, having said <laughs> that, you, you had enough foresight to place those gravesite. Gra- gravesite placement is such a skill. Lon and you, people sort of take it for granted that we've got these abilities to bring stuff back and yeah yeah yeah. But if they're not where you need them to be, um, then you they're not much use. You had the foresight to place them at just the right spot to take advantage of that late game, which I think should be commended. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's exactly why I placed them there. I'm like, well, hopefully I can take some damage. Mm-hmm. He wasn't a longer range army. You know, his his units move mm-hmm. like sixteen inches. Before they charge, like without any spells going off, um, so that's he's got the range of running. He's just kind of bubbling on his objective. I'm like, well, I can either sit around my objective or, or kind of just just go for it, and hopefully I take some damage and manage mm-hmm. to resurrect towards him. That's awesome. And yeah, it kind of played out well. Knife to the heart. So um, yeah, it was. It's an interesting having knife to the heart. It's it's sort of the game where you get more minor wins than most other scenarios I would say and it really wrecks havoc with the with the matchups from there out. Um yeah, like I wasn't looking forward to facing Nurgle. There's just no way I could have gotten through all those um plague bearers and stuff. So I would have been it would have been, it was the first case where I was prepping myself to play for a, a negative play experience, like play for the minor. Um and I'm I'm kinda glad I didn't have to do that. Um, Grimgars are feeling good yeah. at taking up plague bearers, though. So yeah, um, I, mate, I think I, would have been I right. told um, I told that player that I would grudge him in the next event we were both at because we we both felt we had unfinished business there. So we'll, we'll get to see. Um, but my my round four for knife to the heart was against Tom Hampson, who's r- relatively new. Forgive me, Tom, if I've got that wrong. I I suspect it was one of his first few tournaments ever. I think he started playing recently, something like that. He had a Skaven tight army, but he had focused on Scryer. So he had three units of three Storm Fiends, some Acolytes, um, two Warp Lightning Cannons, um, three different battalions, um, and some engineers and stuff. And so I made the mistake of just deploying Nagash a bit too far forward. So he was in range of all this nastiness, and somehow I managed to tank it all with a couple of wounds left. So... I think I was out for the warp lightning cannons, but certainly the storm fiends popping up just in front of me um, and blasting them wasn't that great. Uh, but then that's when my Grimgast came to the fore and just, you know, went into the middle and tied everything up. And I was always going to win that grind. Um, Nagash, I had to make a tactical withdrawal back to 
um, uh, to my objective because he had popped some storm fiends up behind me, um, and he to to deal with them. And so Nagash was saved. I kind of that could have gone either way for me. Uh, but once the Grimgast won that battle in the middle, it was really just just my game. Um, I had control of the table and could just push up at leisure. Um, his warp lightning cannons did a heck of a ton of damage, though. My gosh. Um, but I think I hand of dusted one of them. And yeah, again, at some point, you know, I mean, not before they did some damage, but, um, <laughs> yeah, uh, I hand of dusted his warlock as well, I think, who was in the wrong place. So yeah, did some, did some work with the old hand. Um, and I escaped my vampire lord off his table edge for that particular hidden agenda. Uh, and I think we called it after a couple of, uh, after two turns because I'd just taken out most of his army and had my whole army just to go to his objective at leisure. Um, so yeah. It was another another one for me, but it could have really gone against me, and I, I've learned my lesson against Scryer. I need I need more bubble wrap. Yes, but it was a good game. Yeah, so obviously one of the reasons uh, we thought Nagash was would be good taking for this tournament is that they, mm-hmm. on paper, he he sounds pretty good versus Skaven. You know, he's got a he's got a four up and then a six up. Yeah. Ward save versus water wounds, so he can take a few lightning cannon shots. He's he's got a good armor save, um, and obviously he's got yeah. plus three to dispel on eight different unbinds. Which, if you're relying yes, exactly. on on spells going off on scaven, that can be a nightmare. So, so yeah, it, it seems like a favorable matchup for you really it doesn't on paper. Pa- no, it doesn't pan out when my saves like don't go well. It's still a 50-50 roll on that 4+. plus. Um, but certainly, I, I, you know, obviously, it, as, as gutsy as it was yeah. to, to stick him up front and centre in all these games, it did pay off because he's well within dispel range and it, it does sh- shut people down. Um, so that that's how I like to use him, just chuck him forward. And the, that's what Cogs is there for. I don't use Cogs for movement. I use it to give him an extra spell and to give him that re-roll to save, even though it's not that great if there's anything with rend. Rerolling ones or twos is still pretty nice. Um, yeah, and that was that was Tom. And so by this point, I had three wins and uh, one loss, and I was hoping to get three wins, two losses for the event. That, that was my ideal. So going into the last, it was just sort of, I'd already achieved what I wanted to do, and um, yeah, playing, playing for the lols, really. So round round five, the final yeah. round. How are you, how are you feeling going into this last last um, scenario? I was feeling um, oh, I was I was kind of <laughs> elated because of of the win. Obviously, I, I felt bad for Hayden of because uh, I mean it was it was my mistakes and and that's why he got ahead and it was just some some mm-hmm. lucky rolls in the end that 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 got me. The win, so I was, I was kind of a little bit elated, and then coming up, knowing that I was against um, most probably against Trey, the the yes, the Fire Slayers player that I was meant to face in round four. Yeah, you'd done all that research. I was, uh, I, I was knew pretty confident. <laughs> you knew what it did. Cool. Yeah. And the the scenario was focal points. Yeah, and that's yeah. So I, I mean, from the start, I took. Two objectives, and then I just kind of <laughs> resurrected Grimgas unit after Grimgas unit, and 
occasionally yeah. I'd get a third objective and then occasion and then sometimes I wouldn't. But it was just kind of like one extra yeah. point every so often. And there was just nothing he could do. Absolutely nothing. He didn't have mm-hmm. the movement ability and I was just slowly chipping away at his army. And he just wasn't making any yeah. headway through my lines. Um, his list isn't too mm-hmm. um, optimized. And right. I think I knew his rules better than he did at this point. So uh, I, was, I, was, I was correcting him on a couple of things, which um, which is never good. I mean... Knowing, yeah, and knowing he, the rules gives you such an advantage. There's knowing the rules. There's knowing if, if you know how your, your opponent's rules interact rules. in various situations, and that includes how they interact with your your opponent's army's abilities. And I think you know that's that's where playing game after game and getting the experience really really pays off. Yeah, I mean, Trey's a a youngin. He's um, I think it's mm-hmm. his. Like his first real tournament ever, he's uh coming in on the on the final yeah. table. I was uh quite impressed, really. He's um yeah, it was an enjoyable game. Unfortunately, yeah, it was just a, a bad matchup. There's there's not much fire slayers can do against um my list mm-hmm. in that situation. You know, where I'm resurrecting just unit after unit yeah. and just Absolutely. no headway to be made. Um, cool. And so that was that was your last game, um. And uh, yeah, we I came over and watched it because my yeah. my game did, um, didn't last that long. Um, yeah, it was really cool. I, I always like watching your games because I, I feel like I learn a lot. Um, just because you talk about tight gameplay and, and what that means to me is your um, uh, your very deliberate positioning, and you've also it enables you to pull these little tricks, just like you're saying retreating onto an objective and stuff like this ways of using your abilities that I didn't think of. And that, that's how I've picked up on using damn terrain to sacrifice models and then resurrecting them closer to your enemy and that kind of thing. So I always like to catch, catch you in, in games where you're not facing me. <laughs> it's nice. <laughs> um, I played Kerry Melody, who <laughs> yeah. is a new player. Yeah. I think this tournament was, was it, were his first games of AOS. Um, and he did really well. He won his first day. He won all three games on his first day with this list. Um, so you, you can't take that a- away from him at all. He did amazing work. He's had Legion of Blood, um, Vampire Lord and Zombie Dragon, three Vampire Lords that are flying, um, a unit of 10 Die Wolves, three units of five Die Wolves, all the Die Wolves, um, a unit of 15 Black Knights and two units of five Blood Knights. So a nice, fast army. Um, and no, but definitely not meta as well. I'm yes, really impressed with I am how, too. And he how well he had did. Ethereal Amulet on his Blozd. Um War of Dark Majesty. I don't even know what that does. I've never used. What does War of Dark Majesty do? I'm gonna have to look that up. But thank you. Yeah, because I, I forgot uh, he didn't we'll get to use it. You, That's a bit of a spoiler. You, um, but um, I gave. What did I do? I took the first turn uh, because, or he gave me the first turn I think, something like that. I've got here that I had went first anyway and I moved up a little bit. I kind of I kind of set the bait for him a little bit um, um, and he that's really strange. I could have sworn I went first, but anyway he, he ended up, in his turn I remember him pushing his whole army straight up towards me um, 
And that's what let me uh, charge him with a Grimgast, and you know, all his knights just got held up with those Grimgast. Um, Nagash cast a portal, and then through the portal he cast Hand of Dust, and with Hand of Dust he took off the Vampire Lord on Zombie Dragon. And he <laughs> he had he didn't know. Oh, no. I know, I know. And I said to him before the You're game, man, Nagash man. changes the way, changes your victory conditions. You know, it's it's a different game of Warhammer when there are models like Nagash on the table. You kind of sort of have to play differently. And he sort of, I gave him the card, you know, his War Scroll card, and said, "This is yeah. what he does." But you, you know, you can tell your opponent that there. You can you can hear some of the rules, but you don't know what it means until you experience it on the table. Is what I find as a someone who learns as they goes. Exactly. There's only, exactly. There's only so much you can absorb in a short period of time before the game, right? Oh, so many. So Nagash has like what, <laughs> so many rules, nine and rules how it interacts with endless spells and stuff. He didn't he didn't know either, and it's really hard to go over every intricacy before the game. Um, but he, I did tell him what all the spells did. I just didn't think he. He appreciated what yeah. that meant. Um, I gave him all the spell cards, so he, he saw what everything did. But again, you know, how much can you absorb when you're under under pressure on the last game and that kind of thing? So he picked the wrong hand, and he said, "Well, how many mortal wounds do I take?" And that's take. when I, I I wept for him. Um, I'm sorry, you don't take any. You just take the model off, and just watched him watch his face drop. Um, and after that, it was just Nagash charging up the backfield, just. Hand of dusting more vampire lords off and just killing knights is pretty horrible. Um, yep. So that that okay. that aura, I'm sure that, that aura come is minus one to be hit in close um, combat. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean you've got ethereal velos with minus one to be hit. I, yeah. The only way I think you take him off is by magicking. No, You've right. got nothing really in your list. Um, you could, and this is the game. This is, this you is one, you get one game where everything goes your way, and this is kind of it because all my all my um, all my debuffs just went off on everything. So he was just not, his army was just doing nothing, and I was just rolling him. And he did. He was getting you know same as I was against Seth. He was just like it, it set him on the back foot, and he was getting a little bit flustered. But I sort of we we stopped. I went and bought him a beer. You know, um, we sort of we we talked about it afterwards, and as I said to him, like I don't hold it against anyone getting upset during games because you're in a competitive environment. Um, there's the stress of everything. We we just as long as you have that debrief at the end, so that you know we talk about what happened. And I think I think um, he was really amped afterwards to to go on to, to bigger and brighter things. But that was the first tournament that I've come. I've got four wins and one loss, and it was enough to get me sixth place and. Best Death General, which was great, even though there were two two Death Generals above me, but they all got podium awards, so <laughs> I, got, I got it. Hey. <laughs> so yeah, so Hamilton yeah, taking home got, uh, first place yeah. and Best Death, we were we were very happy with that. If, uh, for those who don't know, we're yeah man, we've been, uh, I, I, I took Nagash back when he was nine hundred points. I'm the I'm the ultimate Nagash hipster. Um. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I don't day, think I'll be taking they're, Citra they're anymore. Now, <laughs> apparently, they, they get points. Back. Oh, not as Citra, but you know, exalted Tomb King on Chariot. Um, and he was. Yeah, he was, I don't he, think it, he's, he's... 
exalted uh, stormcast. Oh, don't bring that up. Let's not talk about that law. I might do a whole podcast on that with Troy, and just that's the single worst piece. Of, anyway, let's not let's not go there. Um, but there was a Tomb Kings player there, which was pretty fun. Um, to see to see him, I think he played Dan. Um, yeah, it was really cool. Really cool event. Um, really well run. Really good venue at the Cosy Clubs. Um, obviously they've picked up a few suggestions from uh, from uh, some of the Hamilton events. So well done, boys. Obviously. Obviously doing your homework. Um, but the prize pack, prizes, amazing prizes. Um, the painting competition was amazing. They had a big whole, uh, whole thing where they had external judges coming in and it was, they made such a big deal of the hobby stuff, which is really cool because you got people like Sloan and uh, Matt Watkinson who just live for that, their painting. And it was really cool to see them acknowledged. Um, and yeah, really cool catching up with the old guys that we've spent three years getting to know. Yeah, cool. Great event. Yeah, I, got, I, I won a, a <laughs> dice tray with um, yeah notorious grand champion that's laser etched into it. I was able to bust it out uh, at a tournament the other weekend. I was, I was <laughs> just put that. Uh, in front I, of I actually them. got asked at the tournament. Oh, how did you go at notorious? And I'm you no, know, just kind of <laughs> just put the dice tray like in the middle of kind the of table flex and on just nudge it <laughs> your opponent. Just say, oh, really obnoxious <laughs> stuff. That's fun. <laughs> <laughs> oh, cool! Yeah, and, that was, and thanks for the insights. Like, I, I think it's quite you know, it's it's almost a, a cliche and a um for for podcasts to do these post tournament going through your games. But I think think in your case, particularly when someone wins a tournament, it's really cool to hear the process start to finish and how they learn with their list as the games go on. And it may be that's the last time you take that list because the meta game moves on. So it's nice to hear the process and, and, and how you go about doing that. Yeah, and, and unfortunately, mine's more um, theory crafting, obviously. So it's, it's hard to uh, articulate um, hundreds of hours yeah. of kind of sitting at work <laughs> and then thinking. How do you about condense water. that? Yeah, how but, do you how do you even begin yeah. to explain how many army lists we shared between each other for feedback and comment? Um, it was a lot. Yeah, exactly. It's 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 Sun Tzu, right? The um the general who wins um has a hundred mm-hmm. hours spent yep. before the, the battle. There's, there's a lot of mind starts. energy that goes into it. Cool. Um sweet. What what are our next events? We've got um a one day in Auckland coming up, sixteen hundred points. Looking forward to that. Could be pretty good, rankings wise. Um I'm looking for a, a my one. third third tournament. Um I've decided pretty recently to do a Hamilton event uh, in on the 18th of August, which is going to be a one day, about 2,000 points, and that's going to be prep for the New Zealand Team Championship event, which is in October, and that's regional teams. So we've got two Auckland teams coming, um, a Manawa 2 team, a Wellington team, a Hamilton team, and a Christchurch team. And it's the first time the Christchurch lads are coming up to, to sort of face off against us. It'll be the, the last time probably before Masters that we all get to sort of meet each other and um, before, the, before the Masters showdown. So I'm really looking forward to that. I'm running it, but I'm also going to be the non-playing team captain for Hamilton. Um, and that just that just lets us have an extra player wandering around and, and sussing out the other players and getting as much insight as possible. Um, so, yeah, I, I guess we've got some list writing to do for those. 
Yeah, man. Thanks so much for coming on, Jimmy. Any final thoughts? Looking forward to it. Um, yeah. Just watch out for the Ooh, the Legion of Night. Core on the meta. It's, Legion uh, of the Night. next big thing I'm calling. You heard it here first, guys. Um, wow. I'm quite interesting to hear what's behind that, but I, I'll I'll be I won't be offended if you want to keep that under under your hat for now. Oh, I think the scenarios are leading towards um, mm-hmm. board edge play. You know, these armies that can summon onto the board edge. They've been fairly restricted with the deployment zones and that of mm-hmm. the current scenarios. But you, you look at all these new scenarios yeah. in GHB 19, and they're very open. There's some really nice um, Fantastic. board edges that can be taken event, advantage of. Um, when you then when you double up on the fact that you can keep your general off the board and for as long as you like yes. um, against armies like Skaven who want to kind of assassinate board, yeah. your general yes. early on in the game. Well, uh, you can't. So, He's off um, the board. Manfred fans like, uh, like Clint, you, you know, dust them off, get them ready for battle, get them ready to hide off the table for half the game uh, because that sounds like it might be his, his, his best use. Maybe not Manfred. You know, you can use whoever is general, but it's Manfred's army, and that sounds a lot like Manfred's <laughs> modus operandi. I told someone today that um, oh my banshee. gosh, banshee is a general. Eh? That's awesome. Okay. <laughs> there you go, um, New yeah, Zealand community. I'll double you. I'll tell you that. I got Legion some of night, banshee is general. Go. All right. Cheers, Jimmy. Have a good one, mate. Okay, and we're back. Uh, some final thoughts. Um, so I'm still getting really excited for Dune. So I'm gonna I'm gonna end with a Dune quote. Um, <laughs> All governments suffer a recurring problem. Power attracts pathological personalities. It's not that power corrupts, but that it is magnetic to the corruptible. That's a damn good point. It always gets me <laughs> how relevant this accurate. guy is. Like, <laughs> I'm so how looking forward to it. always is. Hmm. <laughs> and, um, you know, if, if you're looking at the news and, you, you know, New Zealand's had a bit of a rough time recently as well, and, and you know you can always recite the litany against fear. Hey, you know, you know that one. Go ahead. All right. I I don't know that one actually. Okay, you're going to love this because you will you'll recognise okay. it as soon as I start saying it. Right, litany against fear. Oh, I'm just geeking out on Dune at the moment, but here we go. I must not. I must not fear. Fear is the mind killer. Fear is the little death that brings total obliteration. I will face my fear. I will permit it to pass over me and through me, and when it has gone past, I will turn the inner eye to see its path. Where the fear has gone, there will be nothing. Only I will remain. Uh, I do know that one. I do know that one. Fear is I the just, mind killer. i just forgotten its name. Yeah. Great, great quote. Anyway, let's, let's call that there, Troy. It's been wonderful talking to you, sir. As always, Mr. Tim. Uh, thank you for listening, everybody. <laughs>